Okay, college basketball fans, after a two-month hiatus, we are back at it with episode 48 of Mad About Hoops. I'm Timmy Hall. Evil Bald Colin is here. And Colin, why is this a special episode? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but me personally, this should be special into the point where we would be getting prepared for the NBA draft happening, a.k.a. we would have known guys that have already been back by now, but no, we have to wait an extra week. Um, but no, NBA draft.net season. No, Tim, I can't get inside. My favorite site. I can't get inside your head. What are you thinking? Well, you're inside my head. You're looking into my eyes. You're gazing into my eyes. And I know maybe that doesn't matter to a lot of you guys as the listeners, but a small part of me believes that people are happier knowing that other people are happier. Like if I, if you told me that you had a better day and it didn't affect me at all, I would still get some kind of enjoyment out of that because you would be in a better mood. Therefore, that makes me in a better mood. It's like with, it's like with your girlfriend or your spouse at home, you can't have a really good day unless they are having a really good day, right? That's true. That's all, very true. It kind of like all goes around and around. So I'm just, I just feel better about this. We haven't done an in-studio podcast yes, where you right. and I were looking at each other since March of 2020, right? I was actually I actually had to scroll back through our episodes and we had an episode if you want to go back as uh, bear with me, I'm scrolling. I just had it up and I clicked it off. There's December of 2020 going back into the uh, springtime, May, we did some stuff. Like, so here we're in the middle of the pandemic. Here it was. We did March 11th, 2020. We had our guy from Belmont. You and I are huge Belmont fans. When we talk about mid-major basketball, we had Nick Musinski on. He was, mm. I think he was just wrapping up a player of the year season. Yeah, he had a really good, South. Uh, I think that was the sophomore season. Yeah, he had first a really good year. First team at least. It, it might have, maybe it wasn't player of the year, but it was at least a first team. Oh, I, conference I'm, I'm almost sure selection he's, for him. He's that pretty year. much been that since he's gotten there. Very um, good player. But yeah, right? no, that's that was really disappointing to figure out that that was our last one, and we were so excited, and then it um most of it kind of became outdated really fast. Yeah, and then we we pushed a podcast out the very next day because we were we were just shooting lines out to anybody that we could get on the pod that might be interesting. Small conference, small conference guys to give the mid-major flavor, right? Which we love to do. And then we had Mike Farrelly, the head coach of Hofstra on. And it was in a game that he was coaching in. Remember, we traced it back to a story about how a CAA That's right. referee tested positive for COVID and had to miss the NCAA tournament. And then we started thinking about, well, that's going to be that's going to be a mess because they're going to trace him to anybody that he was near other officials. What's going to happen? Well, we ultimately knew the tournament was canceled, but that was it. That was, that was March 12th, 2020. We titled it the most out of date podcast ever. (laughs) So here we are, here we are in June of 2021. And aside from the headache of coaches having to put some things on hold with roster management, we are steamrolling towards what we think is going to be a more full, almost completely full and open college basketball season because all signs are pointing to that for college football. 
We know we're an indoor sport. We know we're in the, in the winter. So there's a little bit of hesitation. And where we do our work here in Columbus, Ohio, we just had a COVID thing with one of our biggest sporting events of the year, the Memorial Tournament, where John Rahm didn't get the vaccine. Hopefully that can show people what can happen if you don't get it. You might still get it with the vaccine. But even, even if you don't think it's going to do anything, may as well just get a five-second shot, right? Right. <laughs> that way you might protect yourself from losing out on – a million and a half dollars of winnings, like it, what walked out the door for John Rahm, which was sad to see, and it was horrible. But I feel overall pretty good about things. So stick with us here. We have to talk about Coach K's retirement, what that means to us, what that means to the sport. And since we're Buckeye guys, and this could be a huge season on the horizon with two major things standing in the way of how good it could be, we will have a lot of fun and a lot of good things to talk about here. It's episode, what I say, 48? That's right. <laughs> Mad About Hoops. Stay with us. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Let's it oh! Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he hit it. He hit it. He, it. Turner. it. he hit it just inside of half court. On the other wing. Bang! Oh! 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 oh. Send it in, Jerome! Oh. <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! Yes, it is. Even in June, we just live in that sort of frame of mind. Episode 48 of Mad About Hoops and just gets me pumped up getting to listen to our little open because we we don't mix that down. We hit the button, we play it, we do the the cold open and we just go. It's just easier on us. But yeah, one no, take. We're, we're just we go one take, we go like with, live. whatever's on the the top of your head and just go with it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> there. You got to put the parental advisory thing on it now. Yeah, and also I the, just I just wanted to I just wanted to well, say Well, the the FCC we live, we live on FM radio and we're never allowed to do anything fun, so <laughs> Yeah, the FCC would uh, be patrolling us really hard if we did that <laughs> in our normal job, but um no, I, I real quick because I wanted to go on a tangent real quick but what you said in the oh, dry open by all means is I, I wanted to ask because you mentioned the opening up getting back to normal basketball and I, I would assume when, when you're saying that presumably you're talking about st- arenas and fans and the stands and whatnot which means more in our game right doesn't it I college I, I think completely it, agree. it means a hell of a lot in college <laughs> I football completely agree but I being a fan of both, and I know, like, maybe I'd have to recuse myself a little bit because we both make it pretty upfront that college basketball is our biggest. It's our biggest love, which is why we're doing this. But to be, to go around the country and see some of these classic venues, they are made by the passionate fan bases. Look no farther than the Cameron Crazies and what that is, is we're going right. to have to talk about Coach K's retirement. But that is everything that it's about. And it just can't be the same. It can't be back until arenas are stacked again. Allen Fieldhouse, Cameron Indoor, the Dean Dome, Rupp Arena, Assembly Hall, Mackey Arena, right? All these spots, the big ones that make the game what it is. Yeah, but what I wanted to ask you is because we're going to have fans in the arenas and whatnot, like 
what if we kind of pitch to the old bosses like, hey, the Fort Myers tip-off is Thanksgiving weekend right before the Michigan game. But we can travel. Be, we can be back before the Michigan game. Why not? Let's just go down to Fort Myers. Fort Myers tip-off. So who's Ohio State got in that? The Florida so, Gators are there, right? Right. It's a, t- it's a four, group of four teams. You'll play. You're guaranteed, I believe, two matchups. You can either play Cal, Florida, or Seton Hall. Nice. Okay. Cal, Seton Hall, Florida. Not the sexiest group. Um Seton Hall's going to be rebuilding. Seton Hall's going to be rebuilding a little bit. They've lost some transfers, and then uh, Mamu leaving is also a big loss. Uh, Florida, they have. I think Trey Mann's still there. He might have entered the draft portal. I don't know if he's pulled back yet, but if he's still there, that's a really tough matchup to just even guard him. And then the Cal program has been garbage since they've made a couple of NITs recently. They've been rough, but that'll be that'll be a. A really fun matchup potentially for Justice suing. Of course. Our guy here at Ohio State having transferred from there. I'm sure that's something that, that gets you a little bit more up for a game to see, you know, a, a team that you actually played for. Not to the levels of Chris Holtman catching Butler at a PK-80 in his first couple of games at Ohio State when he had to make a tremendously difficult decision to leave Butler when he hadn't really been there that long as a head coach. And he was really just sort of getting off the ground with – the tournament runs that he was having there with the Bulldogs. You just mentioned the PK-80, and it kind of brings back another thought that I've had since we've last been on. Is actually, there's been rumors that they're going to host again. They're going to host a PK-85 next year, but unfortunately, Ohio State wouldn't be able to play in that because they're part of Maui. So it's like oh, you would have loved to have played in both, but I think you'll you'll take Maui any day of the week. Yeah, would you actually tell the Maui? Tournament directors, no way. And I, no, I, like I think Maui, us, would the, they would they agree to put you in the very next year? You would think they would, right? To honor a request <sighs> like that, being because I I have to imagine for Gene Smith and for you know the brass at Ohio State being one of the biggest Nike brand schools in America. Honestly, like we could probably pull up some financials on this and look at which university generates the most sales and merchandise. I'd be shocked if Ohio State wasn't number one. No, oh, wouldn't I, you? I would agree. Nationwide, I, I mean, I I always remember this when I went to. You ever been to the Nike Town and and everybody goes to Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, right? When when they visit the city mm. to see all the shops. I've been. I was too you young. Ever been one to time, that one? No, I was too young the one time I went. No. Well, when, the last time I was there, I think there was only they had like a little collegiate section in the in the first level, like in the back of the store. Mm-hmm. There was only like four or five teams represented it was North Carolina it was Oregon it was Michigan and it was Ohio State and if there was a fifth forgive me I, 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 I think can't remember two, it might have been Duke as the I fifth think one. two of those four aren't even uh Nike teams anymore because Michigan's Jordan brand and I I guess it's it, yeah how, how does that work now UNC, what, what is the Jordan brand Nike correlation is it a division I, of you it? Know what? It's really, got to be have really, some connection because Jordan was a Nike guy. That's how right. the Jordan brand was formed through Nike. Yeah, I really don't but you're understand right about that. that. But, they are um, Jordan. No, you, you you were mentioned. Could they possibly talk to move out and move like to maybe 2023? And looking at the field just in front of me, and I I, I couldn't remember how good this field was. And it's actually pretty decent. You have Arkansas, Arizona, Cincinnati, Creighton, Louisville, San Diego State, and Texas Tech, and then obviously obviously Chaminade. Um, but that's a really good group. I don't know if I want to get out of that. Yeah. It's if you would tell me that you are going to be able to play because you know, the Maui is going to be built Ford tough every single year, right? Right. right. That always across the board 
has the strongest field. And you and I both love all the other holiday tournaments. It's a whole season, holiday tournament season. I, I've always had the dream to take off the entire week of Thanksgiving. We cannot do it with the jobs that you and I have being college football centric. And since they jacked up the college football season years ago to where the big games come after Thanksgiving, God, I would have loved it. Would have loved it in the old days where the Ohio state Michigan game is the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And then you're released. Then you could get out of town on Sunday or whatever, Monday, and then have the Maui Invitational all the way up through Thanksgiving, then the championships. There's nothing better than having that Thursday, Friday, and then the rest of the weekend off, hanging out with family and watching some of the biggest powers in college basketball play in cool places, in smaller gyms, going to win miniature championships at the start of the season. It really gives you good vibes. You catch a Kansas-Duke game at the Maui, and it's you know late Saturday night, Thanksgiving weekend and you got a turkey leg that you're scarfing down and then you're about to go get some turkey and cranberry sauce sandwiches to end the night. What's what's better than that? Yeah, I can't disagree with you, but I, I do believe if and now it's it's all rumored and everything, but supposedly people within the, the CFP and whatnot want to go to a 12 team format. So if that does happen, I mean, they've got to obviously restructure the schedule somehow. So help us out a little bit, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know how it'll work out, but I right, mean, you, 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 you can already, move it. You're already thinking deep into this potential 12 game college football playoff expansion, huh? You it think was, they should shuffle the, you think they'd need a week. <laughs> they they kind of would, right? You need I another, would you so. would want the same window, even though let's be honest when they did end the season before Thanksgiving, talk about a massive layoff. Oh yeah. Go ask. I mean, a we, massive we, layoff. We, uh, I'm sure we could ask James Laurinaitis. I mean, he had plenty of, practice with that especially with the, the national championship games with no Being big in january ten, or with a week no, into january with no big 10 championship game in between right. yeah no that's that's ridiculous it's almost a full it's almost like a a full off season wouldn't be that much <laughs> longer when you talk yeah, about a full post month. spring football and then the whole two to three month off season if you if you don't count fall camp starting back up which would be basically early august right, right. Late right. July, early August for a college football season. It's it's almost a similar window, which was always ridiculous, but it was better that way for college basketball purposes. But why don't we why don't we lay our thoughts out on on the retirement? Because I mean, Roy Williams and Coach K. Here's my here's my thought. Here's my first thought on this that I'll bring to the table, and then you can tell me what you think. We loved college basketball fans. We would sit around for years just wondering and debating what these jobs or what names would be floating around. We all, we did it anyway. Even before the jobs were open, we did like all of the, the college basketball insiders and the bloggers who just simply make connections, even though that's not how jobs are selected. We'd make connections See, you know, who the hot up and comers were, see who some of the big dogs were that might be willing to move for that one special job. And you wouldn't do that with any other programs more than UNC and Duke, especially with aging legends in the last five to 10 years, like Roy Williams and coach K. And then in the end, what do they both do? They both turn to the bench and the UNC basketball and Duke basketball stays in house and they're not even staying in-house with another guy that's out somewhere nationwide right. doing some good things as a head coach for another program and then gets pulled back because, to be honest, neither of them 
really had a high enough caliber dude that had done that anywhere. I mean, would Chris Collins be the tops currently for um, Duke and Wes Miller probably for UNC? I, I would agree, Wes Miller. Uh, in terms so of I don't Duke, uh, I mean, the name's just Tommy Kate. Amaker, right? The, na- the name, well, yes. But uh, he's kind of, I, I don't know if that would be right because he sort of had his chance at Michigan. Right. Got let go there, didn't do all that well, and then sort of found a niche that I don't know if he would even want to give up with what he's got going there in the Ivy League. Yeah, no, the first thing that came to mind was uh, Jeff Capel, but then again, I mean, what's horrible. he really done? That'd be a horrible choice. He's, he's done some yeah. decent recruiting there, but he hasn't really gotten the results on the pit. Yeah, he um, had Oklahoma, and my God, he had Blake Griffin there. He didn't really win anything yes, with Blake. That's right. And, yeah. At Pitt now, but it, I'm, I'm you wouldn't want to give him like, another chance. Woj was another name. He did good, good recruiting at Marquette, but he just couldn't get the results. Um, Johnny Dawkins was one. Johnny Dawkins had a good, yeah. a good opportunity at Stanford, and he just he seemed like he was between 14 and 18 wins yeah. every single season. He was there, and I feel like he got good eight year run, and then he went down to Central Florida. And almost knocked off and that almost, Duke team. Almost beat Coach K's yeah. Duke team with his kid, right? Yeah, I, I will agree. Duke was in more of the position to make this move that they made in terms of going with John Shire. Um, I was more confused by the UNC pick with Hubert Davis. And I understand who Hubert Davis is at a lot of time in the game. He's a great legend of the sport. But um, in terms of... I, I think if I was a fan of UNC, I would have I would have felt more comfortable taking a guy like Wes Miller who's kind of shown it on the court although some fans kind of question whether those results were really, you know, were something. Are they going to translate? UNCG, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you can have a great argument about that, too, because it's not like like going to a mid-major program where that school hasn't won big. You basically have to build it and mold it from the ground up. Which you did. And I'm with you. I, I think that's motivating to see a guy do that. Because you have to be really hands-on. You have to have really every every part of the basketball pr- mind and prowess, whatever word you want to look for. You need to have it all to be able to walk into a UNCG. I, we could we could pull up and see what their past records were when he walked in, but I'm just going to I'm just going to try to gather it that it good. wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Like you'd see some single-digit win seasons, yes. and nobody gave a flip. And you're in a basketball-rich state, but you're at a place where. Kind of like here in Ohio, where if you went to one of the other universities, you might, st- and we know a lot of friends, we have a lot of friends like that, right? Mm-hmm. That either went to OU or went to Miami, but still for college football, you're a Buckeye fan, right? And it seems a little bit for weird part, because yeah. you go to a school that has all these sports, you would think kind of, well, that's the way it is. You went to the school, so you're in the Mac, that's who you cheer for, but no, like, and I think UNCG would have been the same thing where students there were probably North Carolina Tar Heel fans, first and foremost. And then it was their own school because more years than not, you weren't even playing for anything real. But that guy just had them competing in their conference year after year after year, and they were winning big and getting to the NCAA tournament. I think that's, I think that's deserving and worthy. That's how you do it. That's what you do. That's how you climb the ladder in this profession. Do it at a job like that, and then you earn a Power 5 gig. So... I'll be very interested to see, you know, what Wes Miller continues to do in his basketball career. Yeah, no, like I said, we could probably see Wes Miller next year in Maui when Ohio State goes to Maui. And I think, like I said, Cincinnati's also a part of that tournament. 
Uh, yeah, in terms of these big name schools, we've and that's seen, a good spot for him too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, we. I'm glad that he's there. I, I think the theme that we've seen with a lot of these coaching hires, at least in this cycle, is a lot of guys either alums or they're from the area. I'm thinking of. Uh, Shaka Smart going back up to Marquette. I think he went. He's from Madison, correct? Well, you know what? Talk about a name that I always considered for the <laughs> UNC or the Duke job, I right? Think, I like think what, most people it, did. If he stayed there in the location where he was in mm-hmm. Richmond, Virginia, a very short move. You could have been familiar. You could have just been at the in the at the front of the minds of all of the recruits on the Eastern Seaboard that you would want to go after. And anyone, you were starting to get interest from them because of what you were doing as a hot, likable, young coach and doing it at that level at a VCU. Just imagine if he would have waited and waited and waited, been the guy to step up to UNC and Duke. Maybe he, uh, we wouldn't be talking about a step-down position for we, Shaka Smart. Yeah, we definitely could have been, but I, I also can understand why Shaka made the move because, A, Texas, the, the money hog that it is and all the amenities that comes with it. He couldn't it. wait anymore. But you can't wait any longer yeah. at a, at, in an A-10 school. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I, I respect teams like Dayton and VCU and whatnot, but it's not a very good uh, conference to really just sit in and wait and wait and wait. you got to take your shot when you get it. So I totally understand and, and why. Look, he could have... He could have done better at Texas, and he could have he could have, he could have kept he, he his star shining he brighter. Have. Yeah, he should have done better. I don't know. I really struggle to find the reasons for what went on there with Shaka, mm-hmm. knowing you know what kind of coach he was and what he proved at VCU and getting to a Final Four, first four to Final Four, beating. I'll never forget being a Kansas guy, just thinking that oh, just put it put it in the bank. You're you're into another Final Four. You're playing VCU in the Elite Eight, Elite Eight to get to the Final Four, and then. Not so fast, as Lee Corso would say. But, yeah, he could have done better, and he could have still been up for the UNC or the Duke gig if he was that good. Yeah, no, but the theme has been going back to your alma mater or where you're from because then you have Chris Beard uh, got one of his degrees at Texas. So he goes back there. We just talked about UNC and Duke. Like, I don't know if this is just a trend we're going to start seeing more and more and why I think really the only – and this is just kind of selfish on my part, but the only team – I'm afraid of in terms of losing Chris Holtman to would be Kentucky because he's from the area. Like I think he's a big blue fan. I think that's just the way through and he doesn't deny it. Yeah. I think that's just the way the sport is shifting is that these, these schools are trying to buy into the, you know, we always hear this with Michigan. It's like, we want the Michigan man. We want the, that guy to come back and be our head coach when they were looking for Harbaugh and whatnot. I think that mindset is what all these schools are trying to do with their own positions and what they're doing with their basketball programs. Yeah. Oh man. And, Chris Holtman's mom, she probably doesn't do us any favors, does she? No, not He's at all. He's talked about her a lot, and we know she's a Buckeye fan because her son's here, but she's not letting go of Kentucky. And no, I'm not, not even t- I'm not even telling her to. I respect that. I really do. She can like both. You know me. I'm I'm always if you've got reasons to be a fan of more than one school or team, then God bless you. Have your reasons and do what you want to do. All that I ask is make sure that there's somewhat a valid reason. You've lived there. You have deep personal connections. Her being from Kentucky and a lifelong Big Blue fan, that checks the box. And her son coaching at Ohio State certainly checks the box to be a Buckeye fan as well. I will say that one thing working on our side is Cal's only 62. I, I thought it could have been a little bit. But it could have been a little older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I thought it could have been. So that does work in our favor. But yeah, no. Just this trend of schools going after guys that are from their area and what they're comfortable with. I think 
I, I don't know if the past year or so has kind of played into that factor of where they want to go with their safety valves and see how that works out. Um, I, I, me personally, I think they're going to struggle a little bit more in terms of Duke with Shire than they will in UNC with Hubert Davis. I, I think the experience that Davis brings to the table at least would make me feel a little bit better about myself versus, yeah, I know Shire's done a really good job on the recruiting trail, but what is he going to bring in terms of the in-game atmosphere when you need to turn to somebody? Kay's not in that corner anymore. He's going to be sitting in his prime spot. He's going to have his little roped-off s- section of Cameron Indoor that he's always going to be sitting at the games. Like, I can't think of the top of my head. Did Wooden do that back at uh, UCLA? Gene Cady kind of did that at Purdue. Did it at Purdue. We've seen we've seen coaches, you know, legendary coaches. Bob Knight, of course, had the disgusting split with Indiana, and he had he coached another school <laughs> right. before he went back. You would have you like to think in your mind that should have been Bobby Knight at Indiana right. doing that same thing, but I'm not sure if John Wooden did that whole song and dance at UCLA. Sounds like something that would go on. Right. But but the point of the matter is, is I think the more pressure is going to be on Shire to get things done versus Hubert Davis because I think we have an expectation of what Davis brings to the table. We honestly don't know yet what Shire's going to no, bring to the table. No clue. Never been a head coach. No. It's a it's a shocking, shocking move. Like I you And know, they I, said they 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 hired a search firm. To just go back to their own guy. To tell them that John Shire is yes. the answer. Yes. Unbelievable. I don't know if I really believe it other than if I just saw the paperwork, but nonetheless, it's impressive that they thought, okay, you know what? We'll pay you millions of dollars and just point to our old assistant on the bench. Can you can you imagine how much stupid money you've got to have to be able to throw it away on a search that is so exclusive mm-hmm. where there really are only going to be what, 15 names, tops, that you would even want to consider? At a program like that, yeah. You're talking about the Duke head basketball position, right? The head head coach position for Duke basketball. And you're telling me you need a search firm? This is in college football and college basketball. It's just, it's, it's really funny to me. It's like, what is the athletic director doing? Isn't that part of the job description? Don't you have the athletic director and a team of people there that can make the phone calls, that can do the search? It's just one of these. It's just one of these new things that corporations and entities with lots of money can just throw more money away. Yeah, I I will give Duke credit though. They are going through a transition in terms of moving one AD out and one coming in. I forget the name of the lady that's moving into the Duke AD position, but right, yeah, they do a new one. Yeah, yeah, this was kind of expedited processed with I think the guy's name right now is Kevin White. Kevin White is it Kevin White? Yep. Yeah, they kind of did an expedited process. He was at I think he was at Notre Dame. Mm Might have been at LSU as well, or it could be going in reverse. I could be thinking of Joe Oliva. I think who left Duke to open the door for Kevin White to go in there. But yeah, that. But yeah, the the point of it is, is this has been a process that they've been working on for a while to kind of usher in. Uh, Shire to move into the position position whenever K was going to ever dip out. But uh, honestly, I, I think that was part of the process. They wanted to get this done in time before they had to move on and shift leadership, I, I think, in the fall. Like, that would have been a mess had K announced going into the season, okay, this is going to be my last one. And then they got to scramble to figure out what they're going to do for the next season. Right. Now in the offseason, they know what they're going to do after 2022. And the best part of it all is that Kay gets his flowers. He's going to go on his little tour. Everybody's going to bow down to him. It's, of course. It's exactly how you thought the he would go tour. out. 100%. Yeah. Well, regardless of that, what what emotion 
do you get when you think about Coach K retiring from college basketball? I mean, I personally, I don't have a close emotional touch to what his to Duke basketball. Yeah, I, I really don't have a close one. Do you have the, like, hate? Do you have the hate for Duke? I think when certain players come yes. through, like, like a Grayson Allen comes through, yeah, I'll hate it's certain teams. Fine if you do. That's part of that's part of. I just don't what like, they were. I just don't like how he handles himself sometimes. And I will say the most satisfying thing ever is they came into Columbus and played. I forget which team they played, but I think Aaron Kraft was here. Yeah, the Buckeyes. Yeah, waxed they him. came in here, waxed yeah. him, and he goes into the press conference and says, "My butt hurts tonight. I got my butt yeah. beat, and it hurts my really bad. My butt sore. My butt sore. Yeah, and that was the most satisfying thing I think I've ever felt in college basketball. I look, I've the the respect has to be the pretty respect deep. is the the respect is there, but there's also you as a fan yourself, you can be on one side of the fence or the other. When these coaching figures become larger than life and we are watching every single thing that they do and say and anytime they make a comment that could remotely be taken out of context or any you're always going to catch their low moments whether it's something they say or a way they react like the thing with Dylan Brooks Mm -hmm. Oregon's player you remember that one right? Right, right where they got in there and it seemed that coach K was a little upset about a late shot that he took at the end of the game. And people were saying, well, what do you want Dylan Brooks to do? Like the shot clock's running out big deal that he took a three pointer. He just wanted to take the turnover and just hand the ball back to you. And coach K gave him a lecture after that. And people had a hard time. I actually, in that, in that specific one, I was on the other side of the fence of it. I'm saying if coach K wants to kind of go out of his way to give you a nickel's worth of advice, that just and I think Dylan Brooks actually took it the right way. He probably did. He stood there like a man, and like Coach K kind of mm. patted him on the chest. And I think his words were, "You're too good for that." I think that's what the microphone picked up. But Coach K incorrectly kind of denied saying anything at first. That was one of those things. Yeah, that was a, that was a but, little weird. But I don't, I don't hold like big grudges over little things like that. So he told a little white lie. He wanted it to maybe brush over. It was a stupid mistake. Okay, the the cameras and the microphones have this of you. There's no like disputing it. Like they got you. Just say what you did. And most people, I think, would be like me and say, "Okay, yeah, he's not. He doesn't play for his team." But that's Coach K. He's Team USA's basketball coach. For God's sakes, he's everybody's coach. He's everybody's right? coach at that point. In that regard, so I get what you're saying. I, I think it would be weird if you had a great coach, a legendary coach that didn't rub people the wrong way from time to time. I mean, isn't that what great, isn't that why these guys are as great as they are? Yeah. Because they're wired a little bit differently I'm and Kay of, certainly is. Yeah, I'm trying to think of examples. Like, what, what? How about Kobe Bryant's whole outlook on life? Mm-hmm. Tell me that if we went through everything that Kobe Bryant didn't said, we couldn't come up with a list of 50 things that if we explain them to you, without telling you who did it or who said it. You know what I'm saying? Like hide Kobe Bryant's name, image, and likeness from it and just say, oh, player A, this is what happened in this game. Player A said or did this. You'd be like, man, that's some bullshit, right? Like, but then you find out it's Kobe. Like, oh, well, it's Kobe. What do you think, like, let's use a guy we already talked about. What, What would you say would be Roy's? Roy's moment that would kind of make you think that. 
that would make me not like Roy? Yeah. What? what put 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 your Kansas fandom to I the would, side. I would what? say, I would say Roy has more of that going against him than Coach K does. You would? You, or do you think Roy's more likable in a vacuum than Coach K? Because I, I would I would go the other way. Because Maybe Roy, I haven't seen it, but I, I kind of think so. Roy, I think, has been more petty and more belittling throughout his career. Didn't he just – didn't we have examples of this on this podcast in the last year and a half or so? You might be like right. Like, he just had the horrible season. Mm-hmm. And didn't we have he a, was, a couple was, of examples of things that he right. said on his radio you're show right. where it was like, man, Roy, he would, he would throw up. players. Yeah, he would Like, throw he was throwing under. his players and team under the bus and just mm-hmm. – I guess for lack of a better term, being a crybaby about things. That's a good call. I yeah. think Roy was a when, big crybaby. I guess when, when you... And I get it. You, you're a winner. You want to win. But part of that, it's like, dude, grow up. Be a little bit more esteemed here. Build your team up. And maybe this will work a little better. And he made a... I get, we talked about this one before, too. It, it, it was something about Haiti. It was when Haiti was getting hit by... Was it uh, Hurricanes? Yeah, 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kind of came in line with that other really bad season that North Carolina had where I think they missed the tournament, went to the NIT. And he was he was telling a story about how he was everything was wrong about it, too. I believe I want to say it was his masseuse, you know, so talk about like hoity toity, right? You're already talking about a story about being at your masseuse, getting your massage like, oh, like talk about the phrase we like to use around here when someone does something, something nice for themselves is must be nice, right? We like to throw that in anyone's face. Someone got a new car. Wow. Must be nice. Have that kind of money to get a car. So Roy was at the masseuse and he was having this, the shitty season and the masseuse said like, oh, Roy, like, you know, cheer up. Like things aren't that bad. And Roy was saying, yeah. And she said, you know, Keep it in context. Like, look, what, what you're what you're going through is not a catastrophe. What's happening in Haiti is a catastrophe. And his comment to that was like some, yeah, well, sure, I'm not in Haiti, or it sure feels like a catastrophe to me. I'm paraphrasing. Like, I don't want right, to ruin the right. quote. You guys can Google search Roy Williams' Haiti comment. That will pop up. You can see for yourself. It was it was not a good look. It was a really bad look. But again, yeah. I don't I don't want to do that to Roy either because Roy's got his place in the game. He's but the fact of the matter is, is that uh, these some these, of these guys coaches have... are like that. Yeah. a little bit. You're right. And I'm not saying that you have to sit back and be happy when they say those things. Criticize them when it when they say or do something that deserves criticism. Mm-hmm. I, I think I get less of that from Coach K, and my appreciation is a little bit more. He's won more what he did with Duke basketball, not having national championships, right? Still a pretty big brand. Yeah. But UNC was UNC. Dean Smith was there. That's a good point. It's like when you take over Ohio State football now, Ohio State's got a big, bad brand. It's like get the head coaching position and keep it going. I'm not saying that this makes what Ryan Day is doing here any less impressive, but Coach K did everything with Duke basketball. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. And bringing some of that Roy stuff back to light, honestly, I completely forgot about a lot of that. Um, yeah, no, the respect factor is always there. I respect everything that K's done there, and the fact that he's done it for as long as he has is impressive enough. The recruiting at the, the top of the peak says everything. Um, I, I'm just... I think losing like I, and I'll reiterate what I said earlier. I think losing him 
is going to mean more to the current right now yeah. Duke yeah. program than losing Roy is to the current NC program. I, I think Carolina can at least stay where they are and kind of coast where they are with Hubert Davis in, in control. But I think as long as John Shire is still in the process of learning what it takes to become a college basketball coach, head coach, I think we'll see, and we'll see at least in terms of recruiting for the 2022 class, I think that'll be an indictment of how this is going to go for them, at least yeah. to start. I tell you, it's it's a lot of fun right now. It's it fascinating is. to watch and think about what this does for the rivalry, right? One of the greatest rivalries in sports oh, it, where you can see it potentially get played four times in a season. Still, the fact that they have never met in an NCAA tournament with all the scenarios and the breakdowns and how good both of them have been in the same season that they've never actually won enough to meet up, whether that's in a final four or the national championship, but to have guys come from their family players at those schools, guys that have that were currently bench coaches get the head coaching. I mean, Shire's going to be one year delayed because Hubert's starting right here, but right. who gives a flip? That's just one season. It will, it will be fun to watch. And who does come out on top five, six years down the road? I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of leaning towards UNC uh, yeah. takes a lead, takes a surge right now. Yeah, and like I said, is how they're going to do with these first couple of seasons, can he recruit at the same level that they've been doing? Can they play it to the level that Kay is expected them to play within outside this past season, previous years ago? And I... I'm more of a see it to believe it, wait to see type of person with them versus UNC. I kind of trust what they what they got going forward. Um, but I I also forgot to mention this is kind of amazingly enough we we glossed over this program that fits into the same bowl is they didn't have a good coach beforehand because Archie sucked. But Indiana bringing in Mike Woodson with NBA background and he's an Indiana alum and he was a really good player like. That just shows more and more these bigger programs are not going out to buy those big fishes right. and the other Power 5 right. programs. They're going with what they're comfortable with. It's a trend, isn't it? It's obvious it, at this it's, point. It's a trend that's been there before. But when you yeah, have these right. three programs do it, my goodness, does that amplify it? Because there's so many, there's so much coaching turnover you know all over America. So if we actually did the breakdown and looked at every single coaching hire and you know said is was this from within did this guy had either play at the school because chris holtman didn't have connections with ohio state and he got a pretty right. big gig and he considered the ohio state university to be one of the few that he would leave butler for which tells you something about our program here that maybe not every college basketball fan nationally thinks of this position but you make a great point the fact that indiana unc and duke all do it that is something that could take the axis of college basketball and make other athletic directors think about what they're doing when their hire comes up. Before we cut this, if we could just talk for five minutes about Ohio State's offseason right. and the big things that are going on, EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington Jr., no bigger topics for Buckeye basketball and what this great team could look like if they're going to be a great team and do something similar mm -hmm. to, you know, getting a two seed in the NCAA tournament, which I think we both believe was ahead of schedule for oh, this last season. Absolutely. Had them as a five. They need both of these guys back 
to be something like that and to make another serious go at a final four or a national championship. So talk about pins and needles and reading all of the NBA draft insiders and catching just one sentence from Dana O'Neill responding to a, one of the email or mailbag questions of the day saying, I think they're both a slight lean towards staying in the draft. But again, no one really knows it's a drawn out process. You got to wait till July yeah. 19 here. I mean, I mean, he said that off a feel. He said he really didn't have anything to back that up. And I mean, as everybody can agree, there really is no feel on it. It's we're getting into this age and day of basketball, at least in the college game, where if you're going to go pro, it's because you're ready to go make money for your game. If you're not really getting considered as a high draft pick and you do decide to go, it's pretty much already assumed you're ready to just go make money for your game and totally understand that and respect that. Um, but when it comes to the implications on this team coming up in 2021, 2022, it's drastic. I mean, you're talking between it's so a team that goes from a top five potential team all the way down to maybe hanging around the bottom to, uh, bottom half to even the back end of the top, top 25. And that's actually a good thing, though. You talk about you could you could be a title contender. Right. And even without two great players like this who – we think either one of them could contend for Big Ten Player of the Year, mm-hmm. and they would be first-team guys. And I think both guys improve on their scoring. And they would, I think they, you would have twin 20-game guys almost. Oh, I do. easily. might look like 17-and-a-half, 18-and-a-half, you know, when it's all said and done. But if EJ's rebounding comes up, he becomes a guy that's closer to averaging 10 boards per game, which I think should be him. And defensive tenacity and awareness picks up. That's the other big part of his game mm-hmm. that I need to see improve. We kind of know what Dwayne Washington Jr. needs to do with shot selection, becoming more of that overall team leader and floor general and taking care of the basketball and making better decisions, making the best decision he possibly can at all times. But even without them, you look at the roster. Joey Brunk is an interesting transfer that helps their front line. He's not a superstar or anything, but it's something that they they needed. You Kyle Young. Know, you still don't know what you're going to fully get out of him because he's, he's had some injury history that, quite honestly... But Kyle Young, hazy. him for a second, yeah. a healthy, God, I mean, God forbid this guy could have a healthy basketball season, right? And if he gets that, what his motor is, his passion and intensity for the game, I think he's still improving and getting a lot better. He would be a really, really great basketball player in a sixth season for the Buckeyes. You'd have him. You're talking about a, a slew of guards coming back, even without Dwayne Washington, Jamari Wheeler. Very good defensive player, fast as can be, mm-hmm. transfers over from Penn State, and a superstar freshman here from Ohio, from LeBron School, St. Vincent, St. Mary, and Malachi Branham coming in. And we're not even naming all of them. We're just sort of scratching the surface on everything that's back for this team. Yeah, that's the name that's really... Justice Suing being back, yeah. a guy that could be a big-time scorer as well. That's the name, Branham, where yeah, it's, really, it's really going to decide or it's really going to depend on whether those guys stay or go just how fast he's going to grow up. Because if they do both go, you're talking about a guy probably pairing him with Justice as the go-to guys to get you buckets. And, I mean, that is that is a lot to ask for from a freshman. Albeit he's a top 25 guy in his mm-hmm. class. You kind of expect that from him. But at the same time, like, man, that's just such a hard ask. So for the best way for his career to go would be for both or at least one of these guys to come back and at least help mentor him in the process. Um, more more likely, Dwayne Washington coming back would actually help him a lot more. He can come off the bench, be more of a role guy, and get into the flow of the game. But yeah, just talking about the drastic changes, and I really, 
I would love... I would love to get inside of the, the head of Chris Holtman because I don't know what he's thinking if both of those guys do leave and they can make that decision all the way up until July 17th. I think that's right. Right in the middle of July. 19. Is yeah. it 19? July 19, July. 10 days short of but it. But that's yep. still that late. You're getting it's guys. Late. Yeah, you it's really guys, late. You got your guys in the process getting through workouts with Coach Q and whatnot. And like, if you have two extra uh, scholarships open that maybe you weren't fully prepared for, like, that's tough, and that's tough yeah. to fill those roles, and I don't know how he would handle it, but I'm very curious. The last thing that I would mention is you had a couple of players in Zed Key and help me out on the second one, who got the invite for the under-19. It was Michi. It was Michi. Yep. Yeah, again, two other players. Bright futures. Really excited to see what they can do. Even Eugene Brown and Justin Ahrens with mm-hmm. Justin and his shooting capabilities – and how much he's got to be busting his ass and working hard to improve as an overall basketball player, overall basketball player with sort of the wall that he hit in the middle of the season when he was red hot. And then it seemed like he went through a month where he couldn't get a shot and couldn't get, couldn't even find his shot, let alone knock one down. But it was cool to see two Buckeye players get that invite. We had heard that Chris Holtman was invited to be an assistant coach on that team, but with probably recruiting and just the obligations of being the head coach at a program that is setting up for another Final Four, maybe National well, Championship seeing, run, I yeah. can understand how you're not you're not doing that at this point in time. But that's always great experience for a couple of young men to do. Change to the coaching staff is always something you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta keep aware of. And it's funny how we looked at you know the podcast we were telling you guys about when everything you know went crashing down. We had Mike Farrelly on the program. All these things just are sort of connected. They are. So we just we noticed that Mike Farrelly got picked up at Penn State. The reason he got picked up at Penn State is because Micah Shrewsbury, he got the head coaching position at Penn State. Well, what happened with Matt Painter's staff when he had somebody exit? He goes to Ohio State staff and plucks Terry Johnson, who has been a very good defensive coach here for the Buckeyes. Defense is something that the Buckeyes need to improve on, though. Big time coming up this year. Terry wanted to have more imprints on offensive game plans. So you get Tony Skin, who I love the guy, the Mm -hmm. player from the George Mason team for Jim Laranega that made the Final Four. And he had some experience at Seton Hall here recently, where Seton Hall's had some really good teams until this past season. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious because I know Deebs is very much offensively centric in how he coaches the game. I'm curious. Does he stay in his role and skin fills the defensive role? Or that's how, how I would look yeah, at that. I'm kind of curious to how that's going to go down. With skin being very good on that side of the floor. Because I'm telling you right now. tough in-your-face guards, right? Yeah, I'm telling you right now because Deeves has got to be ready because at some point, Peden's getting a job. Like, whether we want him to or not. for he, Cincinnati. He, whether we want to see him go or not, he will get a job. And like you said, he was up for the Cincinnati job. He will be gone within the next year or so. So it's going to be really interesting, interesting to see how this – staff kind of stays intact over the next couple of years and how they go. But no, I'm just really excited to see what could be, but man, I am on the edge of my seat. Wait until July 19th. Well, buddy, I'd say we leave it right there for episode 48 of mad about hoops. As you know, anywhere that you listen to your podcast, whatever platform you're on right now, 
We certainly appreciate it. We would love it if you would give it a little star rating. We love the five-star ratings. Why are you even listening if you don't want – if you've listened this long, by the way, you wouldn't want to give it anything less than five, right? That'll help boost it. Maybe, maybe one freaking day in the future we get a sponsor or something. We could not be sponsored by nobody, by just me and you. We could actually get something on this podcast as we keep doing it in a college football centric area. So we, we knew what we were getting into. We just love the sport and we love doing this and we love talking about it with you. So yeah, tell your friends if they're looking for some more college basketball content and tell them about the two that we're going to have coming up. We don't know the dates on these, but the next couple of podcasts you will listen to will be a little bit different. They will be fun. We will be going over. I mean, everybody's heard of the rewatchables, right? The, the Bill Simmons podcast mm, and how yeah. great that's been. I enjoy knocking those out when I take a long trip. We are going to go over a couple of our favorite basketball movies here on the podcast. We have Hoosiers. We have Blue Chips. I've seen both of these movies in a lot of the streaming services. All right. So everyone can pull them up on Amazon Prime or whatever, get a watch in. They're both they're both completely fantastic in different ways, and they both kind of deal with Indiana basketball at their core. I think because Blue Chips was filmed at, I'm not sure if that was Steve Alford's gym in Newcastle, mm. or it could have been. It was it was know. one of them. It was one of those big, massive Indiana high school gyms, and people came out and packed the house just to be a part of a of a basketball movie because that's how nutty they are there. But we're going to do some of that in the coming podcasts, and we'll get our summers in us and everything. As it's late spring now, you're you're going, you're checking out of here, aren't you? Later uh, this week, yeah, later this week, yeah. So it's going to be fun to kind of unwind a little bit and then come back and get ready for this uh, tough stretch coming up with uh, mm-hmm. with NBA coming around the corner. Yeah, when well, we're all good here, we got our new digs, new uh, studios, new building. We got a basketball hoop outside on the pavement underneath a 400 foot tall TV tower. It's kind of cool, so we can brush up on our jump shot and. Always stay, uh, always stay mad about hoops. So thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time.